our daily Bible readings have been in the book of 1 Corinthians, even though we took a detour for the Sundays of Christmas to focus on specific passages that give us those pictures of Jesus. They're framed here around the cross where we looked at the fact that Jesus is the Savior of the world. He is the King of kings. He is the light that shines in the darkness, that He is indeed the very Word of God. Hopefully, you've been carrying out those readings, either reminded by email or you have that daily Bible reading guide because we are almost finished with 1 Corinthians. Today and next Sunday, before we begin, get back in our routine of reading and then discussing during our weekend services the passages we've just read, that will begin Romans. We begin Romans next week. I wanted to spend today and next Sunday with two selected passages from the readings out of 1 Corinthians. One of them today you covered several weeks ago. You may or may not remember it. And then next Sunday, we'll cover a passage out of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And then we'll be on our schedule with reading in the book of Romans and scheduling and planning our services around those readings. The passage of the day is 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15. It's not a very long passage. It's a passage that appears easy to interpret. It seems very figurative to most people. It stands for something else, and indeed it does. But it's a passage about building, building churches, building lives. 1 Corinthians 3, beginning in verse 10, God's Word says, "'According to the grace of God which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation.'" And another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. No man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire." The fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Paul is talking about the church. That's his primary Focus. That's where we must begin to understand a passage like this. We apply this passage to our personal lives. There's nothing wrong with that. We need to do that. But we need to begin with Paul's original intent. It's always safest to begin where the author starts, if we can discern it, and I think we can here. If we start with where Paul is, to whom he is speaking, why he is saying what he's saying, focus on that, then we're free to make the application to say, well, for me in my life, this means I need to do this, this, and this. Paul's emphasis is on the church. Hear me. His emphasis here is not, it is not on whether people are going to be saved or lost. This is not a passage about judging our lives to the extent of I'm either in 
or out of God's kingdom. It is written to believers. It is written to children of God. People who put their faith in Christ are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Their salvation does not depend upon what they can do. It does not depend on what they can pay. It does not depend upon anything that they can earn. So this passage about judgment is not about judging whether we are saved or lost. That's another decision altogether. This passage is about the church, about how the church operates, about how the members of God's church build on the foundation of Jesus. So, with that in mind, three thoughts come to my brain, and they're written on the outline that you have, or they're going to be on the screen. Just to keep our thoughts together, we're going to talk about the foundation, first of all. It's those first couple of verses. Paul said, according to God's grace, as a wise master builder, he says, I laid a foundation. And then he tells us that foundation is Jesus Christ. But he's talking about the church at Corinth. You can look at the preceding chapters. If you remember back to those readings, or maybe you've never even opened up the book to 1 Corinthians ever. But those opening verses tell us very specifically that Paul is dealing with a church that was fragmented. It was divided. There were lots of factions within the church at Corinth. And so Paul's initial action is to say, her message is, is to say, I came to Corinth and I followed God's will for my life, which was to plant the church here at Corinth. And this church has one foundation and one foundation alone, and that is Jesus Christ. Others have come after me. He even mentions them by name. Apollos was one who came and built upon the foundation of Jesus in that church. Paul says that's the way it ought to be. He's talking about the church at Corinth. See, he didn't stay there very long. 18 months at the most. The longest he ever stayed anywhere was three years, as best we can tell. And that was because a part of that time he was imprisoned. There was one place called Thessalonica that he went to. We have First and Second Thessalonians in the New Testament addressed to that church. He stayed there a sum total of three to four weeks is all. He was in a hurry, you might say. He was compelled that his task in life was to be a foundation layer, was to come into an area and to plant a church and to make sure that church was planted on the foundation of Jesus. And if he didn't stay four weeks, it didn't matter. If he left, that's okay. If he stayed a year, so be it. If he stayed 18 months, that's good. In the way we look at it today, preachers come and preachers go. I've been here 18 years. I never thought I'd have been anywhere 18 years. There's some people who wished I'd never been here 18 years. But the simple fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter who it is, who follows who, who's going to come and who's going to go, regardless of church members, ministers, a pastor. Paul says, the point is, I laid the foundation, the church's foundation is Jesus the Christ. There can be no other. Now, this is a big deal to him, and it should be to us. Because you see, as a church... I want to be a part of a church whose foundation is Jesus. Because when I am involved in a church whose foundation is Jesus the Christ, then I'm going to experience the life and the blessings that I can only find in 
Christ, what are they? Forgiveness of sin. Making that choice to ask Jesus to come into my life, to forgive me of my sin, to take the burden and the guilt of my own personal sin away, knowing that he died for me upon the cross. I cannot find that anywhere else. I cannot pay enough money to receive that forgiveness, nor can you. There is no one who can promise us forgiveness of sin. It only can be in Jesus Christ. And that's why the foundation of that church in Corinth, Paul said, it is only one foundation. There can be no other It's Jesus Christ. And that goes for our church as well. We've been here 130 years. Not on this spot. But our church is 130 years old. And why has it survived 130 years? Because its foundation is Jesus. It's not built upon any individual. It may have a list of charter members that go back way long ago. It may have some people, some special servants of God who were here for a period of time. It can be because people here right now Or making it a church that is what? That has stayed on the foundation, that is building on the foundation of Jesus. That's why we're here. We can only find forgiveness of sin in Jesus. We can only find strength to live in the present day in Christ as well. We mentioned families that are in crisis. If you've ever experienced the grief of loss... You can experience that grief and suffer through that grief, but make it through the present days of grief with Christ because the Bible says nothing can separate us from His love. And we have hope for the future because of Jesus. Then when we think of what's going to happen in the future, you listen to the news, you read the paper, you look at the stock market, you may think nothing's ever going to be right again, it's all going to be dismal, this world's coming to an end, and it really doesn't matter. It's in God's hands. We live each day to the fullest because in the present we have strength to carry on because we have Jesus in our lives. And we have hope for the future no matter what happens because we believe that God literally has the world, has us in His hands. That's why Paul said, I did my work as a church planter, as a wise master builder, and I laid the foundation, Jesus Christ. Others come and build upon it, but there is no other foundation that one can lay other than Jesus. That's a big deal. Paul's second thought concerns building on that foundation, the building materials. He said that we all make a choice about building on the foundation, upon building upon Christ. He's talking about the church. He said, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. It's easy to divide those, that list of six things into two groups of three. Gold, silver, precious stones. They go together. Wood, hay, and stubble. They go together. It's obvious that the gold, the silver, the precious stones are those things that last, those things that are valuable, those things that are good and right. And it's obvious that the wood, the hay, the straw is just the opposite. Or is it? There was a time in my life when I thought that when it said that a church builds and people build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ with those two major groups of building materials, I thought one represented those things that were godly and right and the other those things that were evil. But he's talking to Christians. 
He's talking to children of God who are building upon the foundation of Jesus. And it could well be that it's not necessarily that gold, silver, precious stones represent right things and wood, hay, stubble represent wrong things, but wood, hay, and stubble could recognize or represent inadequate things. You see the difference? I can build with those things that are the best, or I can do things that are good, that are okay, that are well-intended, but they're inadequate. You think about the church, a church that builds upon the foundation of Jesus throughout the years can get out of balance. A church can present itself in such a way that the message of Jesus is diluted. Foundation is still there. Church is trying to do what's right, but they get sidetracked. Sometimes if a church is built upon an individual, the church is identified with a person instead of with the person of Jesus. It's easy to get out of balance. It's easy to, it's easy to emphasize one major doctrine to the exclusion of other teachings in God's Word. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. When it comes to our church, when it comes to that analogy as it applies to my church, I want us to be a church that is building on the foundation of Jesus with those things that are lasting, which consist of those things that are understood, that are easy to grasp, that portray the real, authentic Jesus. When I look at my own personal life, I realize that building on that foundation means that I have a choice to make. I've got to decide if I'm going to be a part of the building process or not. Christmas for our family is always a big deal. It's always a big event. Marcy makes sure that it is extra special for everyone in our family. She prides herself on that, does a great job of it, and spends all year planning it. This year was no different. It was she outdid herself. I had my doubts, but she outdid herself. It was built around one particular gift that she got for our family. She determined back early on, back in March, that she was going to get our family a Surrey. A Surrey is a bicycle that has, it's not a bicycle, it's a quadcycle, four wheels, four big bicycle tires, a bench seat and a bench seat behind, four sets of pedals, two and two, two and two. It has an infant carrier seat in the front where you can strap in two children. It has headlights. It has a bell, ring, ring. It has taillights. It has fenders. It has a surrey with a fringe on top. From which musical does that come from? Oklahoma. I said, Marcy, <clears throat> back in March, I thought, I thought she'd forget it. She didn't forget it. I said, well, then why don't you go online and find Craigslist, find a used one. Nope, I want a new one. She found a new one. She bought a new one. It took an 18-wheeler to get it up here. He couldn't get down our street. We had to get our neighbor to get his pickup truck. And we, they loaded the pallet and scooted it from the 18-wheeler to his pickup truck. We put it on his 
side yard that was away from our house, unloaded it, and it sat there for six weeks, two months almost. I covered it with a blue tarp. And then just before our Christmas celebration, which was on Thursday, our big married kids had to went to their extended family, so we had our family gathering on the 23rd. I went out the day before with my neighbor, and we pulled all the plastic off, took all the screws out of the wood pallets, put the surrey on it, everything is ready to go. When we had opened all the gifts, there was one package that we found accidentally, but it was there on purpose, that when we opened it, it said, to complete Christmas 2010, everyone has to go to the back window and watch. So they did. Marcy and I snuck out, got in the surrey, pedaled it down the driveway, rang the bell, came into sight. It was fun. Several of us went on an excursion later that day in our little city down the riding, the walking trail on some city streets. I was in the front past uh, driver's seat, steering wheel, pedaling. And I glanced left, coming up a hill because it was getting tough. It's a one-speed. I turned around and realized that two people in the back weren't pedaling at all. They were just enjoying the ride. What gives? <clears throat> you know, it's hard enough because it's not just a little bicycle. And four of us pedaling with all of our might is what it takes. And they were just riding along enjoying it. Is that how you are living life today? Just along for the ride? Is that the choice you've made concerning building on the foundation? It's about the church. It's about where you plug in. It's about where you belong. It's about your personal choices. Are you even involved in the building, in the construction? Are you building on the foundation at all? Or are you just doing nothing? That's what Paul's talking about. It involves around the choice of, are you going to do something? And then, what do you do? What is it that you're doing? Are you putting your effort into those things that are gold, silver, precious stones? Or is it wood, hay, straw? I remember when our church relocated to this place. It was back in 96 when we moved into the first portion. 2001 when we moved in here. But I remember driving by this place more than once a day. And I heard a story about the bricklayer. Maybe you did too. And I envisioned it about our church more than once. That you'd be driving along and I'd pull up to the church and I'd see them putting brick up on this building. And I'd go around to one of them and say, what are you doing, sir? And he'd look at me and say, well, what do you think I'm doing? I'm laying bricks. And I'd go around the corner to another bricklayer and say, sir, what are you doing? He said, I'm building a church. See, it matters what I do. And it matters the attitude while I'm doing those things. That's what Paul's talking about. I've driven down many country roads where I saw piles of stubble, piles of, of wood, haystacks. It seemed to me you could see them for miles. It's easy to see a big old haystack, isn't it? See a little piece of gold. Not as easily recognizable. It's not as easily seen. It's not as visible. Which one's going to stand the test of time, the test of fire? 
Is it the big haystack that anybody can see? Is it the big haystack that draws attention? Or is it the gold that may not be seen by anyone except the one who matters? That leads Paul to his third line of discussion. Talked about the foundation. He's talked about the building materials. And then he concludes with the test of fire. That's what we got to make sure and remind ourselves. He's not talking here about the wrath of God, the wrathful fire of God upon those to determine if they're saved or damned. No. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to the church. It's about the church. It's about building on the one foundation, the only foundation. That's Jesus. It's not building with right things or wrong things necessarily. It could be, but it might more or less be building on those things for the right motivation or we're doing things that are okay, but for the wrong reason, like to be seen or to be honored. That's what Paul's talking about. And then he clearly states in these closing verses that one day we will be evaluated, we will be judged, and it will be the fire The test, the quality. Notice he didn't say the quantity. I'm going word for word by what the word says. It will test the quality of each person's work. So it's not who does the most. It's not who gathers the biggest. It's not who does it the longest. It's the quality of what has been done. Did you hear that? Your life's going to be evaluated. Is that a happy thought? I come to it with mixed emotions because I know of my own imperfections. I know of my own selfishness. I know of the times when I've been busy building. It's a fire that tests the purity. And that which is gold, silver, precious metals will stand. That which is wood, hay, straw will be consumed And all that remains are ashes. Did you hear Paul's last line? If any man's work is burned up, if you spent your time building on the foundation of your church, which is Jesus the Christ, with those things that aren't going to last, that aren't going to be of value, you yourself will be saved, but as though through fire, it says. I pastored a church in Venus, Texas, way back 30-some-odd years ago. Marcy and I were there for three years. Michael was born there. Haley was born there before we moved to the city of Grandview, just across the county. Population 414 when we moved there. No grocery store. If you wanted a Coke, you had to go west to Alvareda, east to Midlothian. Same for groceries or a bank. But it was a community that believed in one another had a Methodist church, Church Christ, the Baptist. It was a great place to live for those three years. I learned a lot. I decided in order to be a part of the community, I wanted to serve in some way, shape, or form. And the only place where I could was the volunteer fire department. And the only thing they'd let me do was drive a truck. They didn't trust me to do anything else. And most of our time was spent putting out the grass fires that were caused by the railroad. Because when the freight trains would come by... The wheels would generate sparks, set the dead grass on fire right next to the tracks, and that would spread to the fields. So we spent a lot of time just chasing grass fires. 
fields of mesquite trees. Do you know what a mesquite thorn is that big? And it can puncture a tire, big old tire on a fire truck. So we spent a lot of time putting out grass fires, pulling thorns out of tires. But then one night we got the call. And there was nothing we could do when we got there because it was a mobile home. It was a man who wasn't a member of our church. I'd never met him. He lived outside the city limits of Venus. And something had happened. Don't know if he said it, if it was faulty wiring. Any number of things could happen. All I know is once we got there, all we could do was stand back and watch because it went up just like that. We just wet the perimeter to keep it from spreading. I remember he stood over to the side of me, the man who lived there. He'd gotten out. He'd gotten out with the clothes on his back, and that's all, and they reeked of smoke. That's the picture Paul describes. Saved as though through fire. Saved with nothing to show for it except the clothes on your back, and they're smoldering. That's what Paul's talking about. As believers, children of God, members of this church, or whatever church you call your own, one foundation. Many options about building to participate or not. And many ways to approach doing the things you feel God wants you to do. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to spend time with you. I pray that what we do in these closing moments will remind us of the importance of obeying. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We sing a a song to close our service today. I consider it a song of commitment and invitation. That means that I'm going to be standing right down here. And if you have a choice to make, a spiritual decision to make, I want you to come and tell me. It could be that you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never taken the Lord Jesus Christ and made him the foundation of your life. Remember, there's all the reason in the world to depend upon him. And it begins with forgiveness of sin and moves on from there to an abundant life. So if you've yet to make that choice, I want to ask you to come make it today. Maybe you have made the choice to follow Jesus, but never told anyone, never followed him in believer's baptism. I'd want you to come and be willing to follow through with those steps of obedience. To join a church, you may say, God's leading me to join this church. If he is, come forward and join today. And join with us to build on the foundation of Jesus. That's our only foundation. has been that way for 130 years. But come join us and build with us. Some that we do, some things we build will last. Some things, we're human, it won't. But join us in that building, that building process. That's our invitation. We stand, we sing, I wait for you here to respond right now.